Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church in Mullica Hill, New Jersey. We trust today's message will challenge you and move you closer to Christ. Here's pastor, teacher, and author, Phil Moser. Well, I get the privilege of uh, reading the scriptures with you this morning, and there's two illustrations in this passage uh, that I get a chance to share, and I wanted you to see them visibly before we just read the scriptures together. Um, and then we're going to get back into a series eventually. You may remember we wrapped up our Unlikely Hero series. And uh, next week we talk about our 40-day spiritual discipline challenge. You'll hear about that more next week. And then we're going to get into the book of Acts going into the rest of the year. So I'm excited about that and what that will teach us and how we'll learn together there. But it's rare that I get a chance, as I was reading through my passage this morning, to actually let you see the images or the metaphors that are there. And for you to envision, uh, the Bible speaks of us as jars of clay, and it also speaks to us as, speaks of us as tents that groan. So when we read the scriptures this morning, I want you to kind of, don't get lost on uh, looking at the images, but remember that these are the images that are in the text, and ask yourself, how am I like a tent, okay, and how am I like a clay pot? So with that in mind, will you stand with me for the reading of the scripture? I'm going to skip around a little bit, but I want to start with 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll pick up the reading there at verse 7, and I'm going to read down through verse 10. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal Chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. You may be seated. God's Word is rich, and it gives us two pictures, two metaphors, two images. And I'm just going to kind of put those on hold and come back to them in a moment. But I just want you to remember, this is how God thinks of us, or wants us to think of ourselves, rather. Clay pots, simple, common pots, and tents that don't seem very eternal, but seem pretty temporal. Now, as I was thinking of three words, and I'm just going to kind of focus in on one part of that reading this morning, uh, beginning, at verse, uh, beginning at, at verse 16, so we do not lose heart. I was thinking of three words that would be good for us to remember kind of as we head into the new year. Okay, so we're kind of in between series, so I get a chance to just kind of talk about a, a passage that is increasingly meaningful to me. And so these are the three words I want you to think about. Anticipate, prepare, and imagine. Okay? 
anticipate, prepare, and imagine. Now, if, if you were to just go on the internet and say, okay, give me three words as the start of the new year, you might find these words, okay? You might find anticipate, prepare, imagine, but you probably wouldn't find the conclusions that I'm going to draw from those words. And that's important because the Bible doesn't kind of just skim over things that aren't realistic and act like everything's going to be okay. It looks at the problems realistically that we face, the things that might discourage us, and yet still it offers hope. And that's just a great way for us to think about this passage this morning. So starting the new year, here's what we want to do, anticipate. Now, you might think, anticipate that everything's going to be great. Okay. Here it is. Anticipate moments of discouragement. Okay. You say, well, I don't want to anticipate moments of discouragement. I don't need that message on 2023, Phil. That was 2020's message. Okay. No, hold on for me with a second. Just notice how this text starts. So we do not lose heart. That assumes what? that if we're not careful, we will lose heart. And one of the things we need to do, I think, is anticipate where those moments of discouragement might come and know that they might be there. And I love the way this text goes on to say, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now, just know this, that, that um, well, let me ask the question another way. How many of you are 21 or younger? Can I see your hands? 21 or younger, okay. So know this, that up until 21, okay, your body is still growing, changing, and strengthening. But for most men, women, I think, go a little older than that. Like if you're a woman, you make it up to 24, 25. Um, That's when the body starts to tail off, and from there on out, it's all downhill. (laughs) Now, how many of you, okay, now with that in mind, how many of you are over 21? Can I see your hands? Okay, welcome to the body wasting away. Okay. Okay. That's right. This is the process. Okay. And you might kind of kid yourself and say, no, 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 I look a lot younger than everybody else around me. Okay, you can think that. Okay. But I just want to remind you that the body will let you know that it is wasting away. Okay. Uh, you'll go out, you'll play, a, even just a game of pickleball is going to wipe you out at some stage. Okay. So the point is this, that the outer self is wasting away. And I love this. This word, though, here, could actually be understood with, uh, in the Greek language as sense or when. When your outer self is wasting away. It just assumes it's going to happen. Okay? It doesn't put it off. It assumes it's going to happen. Now, we all laugh about being over 21 or 22. Just let me make this realistic for a second. Okay? Um, we start 2023 today. By the time we come to 2024, uh, just for just a moment, look around. Look around at the people around you, okay? By the time we come to 2024, some of these people will not be here. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Some of them will already have entered up into eternity, into heaven. Some of them may not be here for other reasons, A husband might leave his wife, a wife might leave her husband, a child, even an adult child, might leave the faith. These are things that discourage. These are things that realistically will happen. I can't stand here as your pastor and say, don't worry, be happy, everything's going to be fine. There is hope, but it doesn't come from an unrealistic perspective. It comes from the definite reality that our bodies are wasting away our outer self and that we can anticipate those moments of discouragement so we're ready when they come. 
You say, well, what am I going to do if, if, if I know they're coming, Phil, you just freaked me out. Like I came to church not to be anxious. I'm anxious now, okay? So here's what you got to do. Here's the next part. You got to prepare your mind for battle. That's right. Prepare your mind for battle. There are six words in this one verse that contrast themselves with one another. I was reading and I, all of a sudden I thought, wait, that's the opposite of that and that's the opposite of that and that's the opposite of that. And that's exactly right. And this is how we are to think about the things that otherwise might discourage us. Notice the reading. Here we go. Do not lose heart, though or when your outer self is wasting away, your inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Now, there's six words, light momentary affliction, eternal weight, glory. And just let me kind of compare those for a second. Notice how these two work side by side. Momentary or temporary is the opposite of eternal. So here's how I want you to think about the things that you're going to face in 2023, when it's difficult, when it's challenging, when it's hard, okay? when you lose someone you love, when you face the difficulty of thinking you might lose someone you love, when all of that's going on. Okay? I want you to remember this about those trials, that those trials are temporary, That's why it calls them a light, momentary affliction. Trials are temporary. But there is an eternal weight of glory. They won't last, but heaven will. This is is so valuable to just start the year, January 1st, by not simply thinking about 2023, but thinking about what's beyond 2023. If you only think of 2023, then it's easy to get discouraged when you can't keep all those goals you set. But you've got to get your focus outside of even 2023 into what you are, God is preparing you to be because heaven is eternal, right? Heaven's eternal. The trials are temporary. They won't last, but heaven will. Here's the second idea. Light and weight. See how those are opposites? Something is light. Something is heavy. Light and, and weight. And, and notice how it contrasts the affliction or the trial with the glory. One's heavy. One's light. And my way of kind of communicating that to you is this, that the trials are proportional or comparative, okay? Their benefit outweighs the pain. They're comparative. They're, 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 um, if we only looked at them in light of the glory that God is trying to create within us and, and work within us, in light of the way that he's making us like Christ, the trial wouldn't seem as heavy. The thing is, we only concentrate on the trial, Imagine that I had a feather. I'd have a feather, and I'd say, okay, here's the feather, right? Um, Would you rather stand here and hold the feather over your head for five minutes, or would you rather hold the piano over your head for five minutes, okay? You say, well, Phil, the piano's so much heavier. That's precisely the point, that one feels heavy, the trial, but in relation to the glory of God, it's not as heavy. That's why you want to think of these trials not only temporarily, they're here, But you want to think of them as proportional. Compared to what God is doing in your life, they outweigh the pain. God is accomplishing something in your life as a result of what he is doing. And that's greater than anything you might be able to imagine. And finally, here's the last idea. Um, Notice how it speaks of affliction and glory. For that light, contrasted with weight, momentary, contrasted with eternal, affliction contrasted with glory. These afflictions, these trials, 
have a purpose. So I want to say they're purposeful. So just think about every difficulty you're going to face in 2023. It's temporary, okay? It's temporary. It's, it's proportional. It's comparative. It's, it's not, I'm comparing it to the wrong thing. By the way, the one thing you don't want to do with your trials is compare them to somebody else's, right? You want to compare them to what the glory of God that he is accomplishing in you. That's why Paul warns us in 2 Corinthians 10, for we are not vain to class and compare ourselves against some of those who commend themselves, measuring themselves by themselves, or comparing themselves with themselves. They are without understanding. The moment you compare your trial to somebody else's, wow, if they seem like they have their life together, you just slip into a deep discouragement and depression. Frankly, that's because you don't really know what's happening in their life. And, and, And most people aren't honest with what's really happening in their life. When was the last time you came to church, reached out and shook somebody's hand and said, how are you? And they looked at you and said, I am terrible, right? But I'm honest. No, most of you have already answered this morning something like, hey, happy new year, okay? As opposed to, I'm not really happy right now. The point is this, when you compare yourself to somebody else, You don't even really know what's going on in their life. But secondly, you don't understand how God's using that trial in their life as he's using your trials in your life. Trials are proportional, but trials are purposeful. They increase our capacity for praising God. That's the word glory, right? Just think about it for a moment. The text said the affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. When I think of the word glory, I just think of giving God praise. So this may be the most important sentence I give you for all of 2023. What if every trial you faced, your only question was this, how is this trial increasing my capacity for praising God? Wow. Like, is that, at least to me, that is a new thought. When I face my difficulty, when I face pressure, when I face whatever that might be, I am quick to complain. I know this, that's not praising God. Grumbling and complaining is not praising God. What if I face the trial and I said, okay, this trial is in some way increasing my capacity to praise God. It's about a heavier weight of glory, not about my trial. Now, let me take you back and kind of show you that in, um, in an earlier passage Uh, Well, let me talk about how we're going to do that with the inner man first, okay? Though our outer man is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Well, let me just take you back and show you that real quickly. Um, Go back with me in your Bibles. I don't have a slide for it, but but go back with me to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We talked about that. We started with this idea that we were jars of clay, okay? Now, for just a moment... um, it would not take much. This is a genuine jar of clay uh, that we brought back from Brazil on a missions trip there. Um, it would not take much for me to break this. It's fragile. Okay. So this is this implication for you. But watch what happens in the text. Okay. He says, of those jars of clay, verse 7, this is the trial working on you. Okay. He said that the, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Okay, so whatever pressure happens, whatever trial happens to this jar of clay... Um, God is the one who is providing the power that it can endure. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Uh, the word afflicted is, is the Greek word thebo. It means to put under pressure. It's like, um, it's like we are squeezing on this. Okay? 
we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Crushed is the idea that things just got in a very narrow space, okay, like, like claustrophobia centered, like you feel the pressure and, uh, and, and it just got tighter and tighter and tighter. But note this, in that very narrow space under pressure, this very fragile clay jar isn't crushed, it isn't broken. That should bring you great hope. Whatever pressure you feel, whatever pressure I feel, whatever pressure we feel, what's going on is it feels like we're about to break but the power belongs to God and not to us, and we're not going to break. For the one who is truly in Christ, they're not going to break under that pressure. But it's not about them saying, I'm strong and I won't break. They're a fragile jar of clay. It's about the power of God that keeps them from breaking. And then notice what it says. It says they're perplexed but not despairing. That means they're like on the brink of defeat, but they're not defeated. Um, I just... uh, Every time I watch a, a college or an NFL football game, I just say, man, a person would be an absolute fool to bet on this stuff, okay? Because it looks like a team's going to lose, right? And then right at the last minute, they storm back and score like 14 points in the last five minutes of the game. Here's, this is the idea. You are nearly defeated, but you're not defeated. The game isn't over, you can feel totally like, like I'm perplexed, I'm, I'm on the brink of defeat, but I'm not despairing, I've not given up. Why? Because I know that this power is from God and it's not from me in the midst of this trial. You're persecuted, but not forsaken. Hmm. Persecuted means to be pursued, to be hunted. I know I speak to many today who probably feel like that. You're just wishing the struggle, the darkness, the difficulty would just go away even just for a brief time. But it doesn't go away. It wakes you up at 3 a.m. in the morning. It's the first thought when you get out of bed in the morning. Whatever it might be, I want to remind you that you can feel the word persecuted is is the word for for hunted or, or followed or pursued. You can feel pursued by that, but here's what the text says, but you're not forsaken. Hebrews 13, 5, God has said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. So you may feel hunted, you may be pursued, but God is still there. And finally, this last one, you're struck down, but not destroyed. Uh, one writer has said, that's like being knocked down, but not knocked out, right? All of that, uh, afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, all of that is what's going on, what, what it feels like is going on in the midst of the trial. And that's why the trial feels like the way to the piano. But I want to remind you, it's not, it's not. In fact, if uh, I could kind of sum it up in a sentence, it would sound like this. Our growing lack of independence, because we're aging, bodies wasting away, and because the pressure on our lives is aging us more quickly. Our growing lack of independence should create a growing sense of dependence on the Lord. And that's beautiful. It's the way we ought to think about it. We should be growing more dependent on the Lord. Um, we live in a highly, highly independent society. So the older we get, we kind of keep trying to remain independent, as opposed to just recognize we don't do quite what we used to do once we're 21 and 22 and older, okay? Things don't work quite the way. That's not meant for us to complain about. It's meant for us to say, wow, I'm like, I'm, I'm more dependent on the Lord than I ever was when I was 15, okay? So that's how we're supposed to think about it. Our growing independence should create a growing sense of dependence on the Lord. And that's one of the reasons why for the last several years we've encouraged you when we hit January 1st to 
add in some kind of uh, daily Bible reading schedule or something. Last year we did what you may recall, the 40 days of spiritual discipline challenge. That is, we wanted you to get started um, and just stay together in getting in the Word together because we recognize that's the, that independent, that lack of independence is what causes us to be more dependent on the Lord. And being dependent on the Lord is really practical. It means we're going to pray, we're going to stay in the Word, we're going to develop accountability with one another. All of that stuff's in there because we're walking independence on the Lord. We're not walking independently of Him. You'll find when you leave this morning um, a spiritual discipline challenge that'll start next week, but the daily readings start on January 1st, so you're only 12 hours behind at this point, okay? Um, They start today. You can start to read through that. And if you're already doing something with your daily Bible reading, we'll talk more about this next week. Um, I'd encourage you to keep that up, but if you want to read along with us at Fellowship, then I'd encourage you to pick this up and start to work through it. There's stuff in there that's going to engage your prayer time. There's also a new element in this that uh, when you come Saturday, it's going to give you a note for the passage that we'll be teaching on on Sunday. Can you imagine like what would happen if you actually read the passage in advance, okay? And you came in and said, oh, yeah, yeah, I read that last night, okay? So we want you to stay in touch with us as you're moving through the Word together. So these are free. We don't charge you for them. Grab one per person on the way out. And you can start this afternoon. And next week, we'll get you into the 40 Days of Spiritual Challenge. We'll explain a lot more about what that's about. But uh, you can start uh, doing your daily Bible reading today. Our growing lack of independence should create a growing sense of dependence on the Lord. One final one. When I use the word, if you turned on any TED Talk and said, New Year's resolutions, use the word imagine, okay, they would, without a doubt, talk about only imagining what happens in this world. Okay? They'd say, hey, listen, imagine what you could be if you only did this. That's not the way the Bible uses the word imagine. In fact, we can really only imagine what hasn't happened yet or what we can't see. Once it moves into history, present our history past, we can't imagine anymore. We can say, well, I imagine what would have happened if I'd only done it that way, but we can't change that. But here's the really cool thing about the word imagine. We're supposed to imagine the life to come, not simply this life. This is life-changing if you and I would do this. Where do you imagine the life to come? Now look back at that passage in, in 2 Corinthians and you'll see it. So we do not lose heart, though or when our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day in the midst of that trial. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen, For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal, which means if you look around you, everything in here is temporary. The things that are unseen are the things that are permanent or eternal. That is our relationship with God. That is our heavenly home. That is all those things we do not presently see. Just let this thought settle for a second. Where do we spend our time imagining? Heaven? here. Let me see if I can explain it a slightly different way. Before I do that, I'm going to throw a slide that I don't even want you to take notes. I don't even want you. I just want you to look at it and understand this is how the world is thinking and imagining, okay? 
R.C. Sproul gave, R.C. Sproul gave us uh, six or seven different things that are what we call the desires of the age or uh, philosophies. Um, some of you may capture some of what you believe in here, but I just want to remind you, these are worldly philosophies. Uh, secularism means it's going to happen in the here and now. Every second something's happening. We're only living in the present. There's no future. Existentialism flows out of that and says, listen, if there's no future, then there's no meaning to life. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do right here because there's nothing after this life. Okay? Humanism teaches man is the center, that God is not the center, but man is. Uh, materialism teaches that the material things can satisfy our deepest longings. Okay? I won't ask the question, but imagine momentarily if I did, how many of you thought if you only got that Christmas gift, you'd be totally happy? And then you got it, and it broke. The point is this, materialism, things of this world will not satisfy. Pragmatism teaches what works must be right. If it works, if it's effective, let's do it. Pluralism teaches there are no absolutes, and we're living in that world, right? You can do whatever you want as long as you don't tell me what to do. Hedonism teaches that what brings immediate pleasure should be pursued. Here's what I want you to see. Of all of those desires, they have nothing to do with heaven. And that's where our world imagines. They imagine there, not something that they cannot see. Everything up there in their mind can be seen in some way. Materialism, I see the boat, I want the boat. Humanism, I'm the center. I see I'm important to myself, right? Uh, Secularism, if I I can see it right here, right now. If it's something else, off in eternity, it doesn't matter. All of those things that are seen are temporary. What is unseen is what's eternal. And that's why I use the word imagine to consider it. Now, let me see if I can explain it to you just another way. We've talked about the clay pot, right, and what it does. What I want to introduce you to is the tent and what it's supposed to represent. Here it is. Just look at the text. Chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Now, I need someone to help me. So, uh, Kevin, can I get rid of your daughter real quick? Okay. Yeah, come, come, come. It's perfect. Okay, so uh, just for a moment, you like to camp? What? Do you like to go camping? Sure. Sure, that's great because you're going to. Okay. okay. I just want you to crawl in here for me real quick. Okay. Just sneak in there. Watch out for the cockroaches. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Now, what I want you to see momentarily is this is a tent. Okay. But the text says that the tent is being destroyed, and it's in the context of the outer man, the outer, the, 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 uh, outer man wasting away and the inner man being renewed day by day. For just a moment, understand, it's just a question. It's not, I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't check your gym membership. I didn't, I didn't walk through your house, and I'm not making judgments. I just want the Holy Spirit to apply something. Where is the focus of your attention? on the inner man or on the tent. This is the inner man. This is the physical body. Now, for just a moment, can you stick your head through here for me? Okay. This is what you look like. Okay. I know you're in a body. Stick it out. Smile, smile. There, all the way. There, there you go. Yeah. Okay. That's what you look like when you're ticked off. Okay. okay. Here's what you look like. 
Okay? This is you. The inner man is alive. This outer man, it's a body. Okay? And it's purposeful. It, it, and I recognize that we're united in that, that we do have physical bodies and we don't separate from them until death. Okay? But what I want you to see is not how they're connected, but I want you to see where your focus is. How many of you uh, were eating over Christmas and stepped on the scale or haven't stepped on the scale and said, okay, when January 1st starts, that's when I'm going to start, okay? Okay, you put your hand up. I just want to tell you, that's great, but that's physical body work, okay? That's physical body work. It's important, but it is not the most important. You say, well, I'm not working on that. Let me just, real quick for you, can you, can you step out of there for me? Imagine momentarily that this person, representing your inner man, is what's supposed to keep getting renewed day by day. This is what, while this starts to fall apart, this is supposed to be renewed. And here's the question. How are you going to do that when you're 75 if you never did that when you were 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 and developed the habits? If all of your life you spent time working only on the physical body and you never spent any time working on the inner man, don't think when you turn 70 you're going to say, my body's falling apart. Now it's time to work on the inner man. You won't be able to memorize scripture if you weren't memorizing scripture prior to that. Your mind, you've lost your mind at that stage. You won't remember the verse. You can't even remember where you put your teeth. Okay, That's what happens. Here's what I want you to see. This year, this year, Would you consider giving as much attention to this part as to this part? You were great, by the way. Thanks. You can be seated. Here's another question for you. Here's another question. Some of you may not be consumed with... Well, it's just a great question. Let me back up. I'm preaching, so I'll just say it. Okay. Do you post more pictures about this part than this part? Do you talk more about this part than this inner man part? It's just a question. Do you spend more hours working on this part than the inner man part? Like, what if we could see the hours you'd spent reading your Bible and in prayer compared to the hours you spent with this part? Would you be embarrassed by that? You say, well, Phil, I don't really care about my physical body, and so it doesn't matter, okay? But I do care about my house, my physical house. If you come in my house, you'll see that it's decorated nicely. Okay. Before I set this up, okay, it came in this. This is your house, your physical house or apartment. How much time do you spend worried about this? Even if you're not worried about this, when you're not concerned at all about the inner man work. This is why the Bible tells us, imagine. Don't imagine, spend all your time imagining what your physical body is going to look like. Don't spend all your time on Pinterest imagining what your house is going to look like. Imagine what your inner man is going to look like when he is fully complete and stands in the presence of God. That's where the focus needs to be. It's great. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, 
We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Hear that temporary eternal thing again? For in the tent we groan, longing to put on heavenly clothing. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Initially, someone says, well, yeah, when I stand before God, what's it going to be like? For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, which means heaven is better than here. It's better so that you could be fully clothed and the mortal might be swallowed up by life. Maybe that's one of the reasons that uh, God allows physical death to feel like it feels. That we might be reminded, all of us, that, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be focused on heaven. You might say, I lost a friend. I better be focused on heaven. It's my reminder that I should be focused not just in 2023, but I should imagine what is yet to come. I have no criticisms with your focus on your physical body or picking up your home, cleaning up your house. I am concerned that these things take greater priority over what renews the inner man. So just ask yourself, how am I spending my time? I love the way Calvin Miller said it. I've had a chance to share this poem a few times graveside now. Calvin Miller, the poet, spoke of death in this way. He said, I once scorned every fearful thought of death when it was but the end of pulse and breath. When I thought of death as when I stopped breathing, I scorned it. But now my eyes have seen that past the pain, there is a world that's waiting to be claimed. This is what it looks like to imagine what is to come. For living such a temporary art, I love that. It's just temporary, folks. And dying is but getting dressed for God. Our graves are merely doorways cut in sod. And I stand at the graveside and I, I see the casket there. I'm reminded that this isn't the end. This is the doorway. Are we getting prepared and dressed for the other side? Are we so consumed with these kinds of tent things that we're not ready? I was thinking of that what it might be like if, if I left this tent out for one year, two years, three years, four years, how ragged it would start to look, right, in the rain and the wind and the snow. Um, by the way, this is a friend's tent. It isn't mine. I slept in it once in a rainstorm. It doesn't keep out the water. Okay. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Like, that's how your body's supposed to work, right? It's not supposed to be perfect. It's supposed to stumble. Your memory is supposed to forget certain things. That's to remind you that this is not all there is, okay. but that there is something greater still. And that's what we imagine. Living in this life is such a temporary art. Dying is beginning to rest for God. Our graves are merely doorways cut and sod. My hope is that this year, we would think not in terms of 2023, but we would imagine what heaven is like beyond this time, because that's what brings about the beginnings of real change. Our focus isn't caught up down here. It's on something else entirely. Father, it's been a privilege to look to your word this morning, to be reminded of just how appropriate and relevant and practical it is. Even the words you use to describe us are helpful in helping us see 
what we need to work on, what matters. It's so easy to get caught up in the things that are here. And uh, well, those are important. They are not the most important. Help us give our effort, our focus to the things that are the most important this year. And help us imagine not just the rest of this year, but to imagine what eternity is like, what heaven's like, to dwell upon it, to talk about it, to get ready for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We trust you've been encouraged by today's lesson. For resources to help you move forward in Christ, we invite you to check out our website, aboutfbc.org, or our Facebook page, Fellowship Bible, Mullica Hill.